Well, good morning, Coastal Community Church. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good? Come on. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're so glad you're joining us this morning. I'm excited to be back with you guys uh, after being away last weekend in the Dominican Republic doing some missions work with an organization we support. But uh, I'm pumped to be here this weekend. And, and can you guys help me welcome everybody that's watching online and everybody at our Lighthouse Point location? Man, we love you guys. Thank you so much for being there with us and joining us in all those different venues. And, and I'm excited because we're starting a brand new series this weekend called Blessed. And, uh, and, and part of what this derives from is, is in the beginning of the year, uh, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. We think it's important to see God. And, and the word that God gave me for our church this year was this word health. And the idea behind it is, is that God wants us to get healthy. And, and when we say healthy, it's not just a physical thing. Like we don't need you just to have big muscles and invisible abs, why we would all like that. Um, like it's so much more than that. It's, it's healthy in our, in our emotional world. It's healthy in our physical world. It's healthy in our relational world. It's healthy in our spiritual world. And so over the last uh, couple of months, we've been addressing all those topics and we're gonna continue to address them throughout the rest of this year. And so one of the things that we said that we got to get healthy is, is in our financial world. And so this series, Blessed, is all about our financial world. Because I don't know about you, but, but I want to be blessed when it comes to my financial world. Anybody else want to be blessed in that area? Okay, some of you don't. So I'm guessing there's a lot of you that want to be broke and stressed out and sucking wind in life. Okay, let's try this again, everybody in Lighthouse Point. How many of you guys want to be blessed in your financial life? Okay, a few more of you. Okay, some of you guys, like you picked the wrong church because you don't want that and that's okay. But uh and so we're going to be doing this series, and, and we're going to be talking about how does that work from our spiritual life, but then also what does that practically look like. And so today I want to challenge you a little bit when it comes to your financial world. It comes out of a verse in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. It says this, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, while the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And so my goal for you is that your world, when it comes to your financial life, will get larger and larger. And, and in a season of life where we have a tendency to make so much about us and what's going on is I want us to go through this season and go, hey God, what do you wanna do in my financial life? How do you wanna challenge me in my finances? How do you wanna challenge me in my generosity? So not only can I honor you in those aspects, but I can also be blessed in that aspect of my life. And, and let me say this for everybody that's a guest here with us today is we don't, we don't talk about finances a lot. In fact, we had a guest that Shayla and I invited that came on Easter for the first time. They've been coming. This family's been coming every week. And last week they actually walked up and they said, hey, we want to give. Like, how do we actually do that at your church? And we were like, man, that, that's awesome that because we don't talk about this ever, you have no clue how to do that. And it's terrible at the same time. And so if you're a guest, I want you to know this is not normally what we talk about, but it is something that we need to address. And I think that for those of you that call Coastal your home, that this series will be actually be a resource for you for the rest of your life. And so today, what I want to talk to you about is a subject that's very near and dear to my heart uh, because I've lived it out personally. And so what I'm calling today, take out your notes, get ready to write this down. Here's kind of what I'm titling this message, what I don't normally do. And here's the title the message, why do I tithe? No amens right there. 
I don't know why. And figure there would be a lot right there. So, so why do I tithe? And I want to talk about stewardship when it comes to your life. And, and because in the beginning of the year, we said that this is, you know, I want you to be healthy. The one thing that I've said throughout that is that everything you're going through is way more spiritual than you realize. So I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to start with a spiritual aspect of it. And then over the coming weeks, we're going to get really, really practical when it comes to our financial life and how do we get healthy in that and invest and do all of the those things. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about tithing today. And there's probably not a more misunderstood subject when it comes to subjects in the Bible than the subject of tithing. And as soon as I said the word tithing for some of you, you just put up a wall in your heart. Like you immediately are like, man, I, 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 I don't like this. The church is kind of like talking about some things that I'm not a big fan of. And, and so what I want to do here is I want to start by talking about some of the myths that are out there when it comes to tithing. So myth number one is the church just wants my money. Some of y'all, you just think, man, the church just wants my money. Kind of sound like Chris Rock right there. I don't know. <laughs> like that's why, that's why they're preaching on tithing. They just, they need something from me. And so I thought today what I would do is I would just kind of give you an update on your church when it comes to the financial world of our church. So back in 2020, there was this phenomena that came about called the global pandemic. Anybody remember that season of life? Okay, a couple of us. And during the pandemic, people pulled back, businesses went under, a lot of places did not do very well. And, and I want you to know that as a church, we gave more than we ever gave during the global pandemic. We reached more people for Jesus than we had ever reached for the global pandemic. In fact, 2019 was a record year for us financially. Actually, every year has been a record year for us financially. Financially, and then 2020 hits, and I want you to know that we grew 50% as a church financially in the pandemic. But it gets better, because then 2021 happened, and again, we grew another 50% over 2020, which was a record year. And then we're in 2022 right now, and we're up 30% over what we were a year ago at this time. Like God is building his church. And let me just tell you something about this church. This church is blessed. And we don't preach on tithing because the church needs it. We preach on tithing because you need it. And we want you to walk in the blessings of God on your life. So we aren't doing this series because I need something from you. We're doing this series because God needs to do something in your heart. And he wants to change some things inside of you so you can experience the blessing of God. Here's myth number two. The church shouldn't talk about money. Like there are so many other subjects that are in this Bible. Like the church just shouldn't talk about money. And let me just say this. I firmly disagree with you. Here's why. I think we should talk about whatever Jesus talked about. And I think we should talk about things that you're actually dealing with in your life. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but the Bible has a lot to say about money. And here's the thing I know about your world is that, that your finances impact relationship. In fact, more divorces end because of financial trouble than any other reason. There's more stress in your life right now because of financial burdens that you're facing right now. This is a subject, instead of ignoring it, we need to tackle it head on. And, and scripture actually says more about how you handle your money than anything. In fact, two thirds of the parables that Jesus told in the New Testament 
We're directly with how you handle your money. In fact, one in 10 verses in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, deal with how you deal with your money. 2,300 verses in this book mention your finances. How many of y'all know that that's a lot? That's five times more than prayer and faith. And so many, and all of us would say that those are important subjects that we should cover. Like we would say like those are big deals. So it talks about it five times more than prayer and faith. So the Bible makes money actually a focus of our lives. And here's the deal. We need to deal with it correctly. In fact, Billy Graham said it like this. He said, if a person gets his attitude towards money straightened out, it will help straighten out almost every other area of their life. That's a strong statement right there. Look at me, Parkland. Look at me, Lighthouse Point. Look at me, everybody that's watching online. We need to talk about this. And if we'll get this straightened out, it will change everything when it comes to our financial world. Myth number three, tithing is an Old Testament law that is no longer applicable. Because I'm under grace, pastor. Grace, 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 and you are. You're under grace today. But there's a problem with this statement that is not actually correct because tithing is not an actual Old Testament law. In fact, if you go and look at the law out of the books of the Old Testament, you won't find tithing in there. Like you're not gonna go in the 10 commandments and find thou shalt tithe. It's not there. It's an important element for us. I'm gonna educate you a little bit today on some biblical knowledge here. It's not, you're not gonna find it in the law because there are a lot of things that are written in God's word that God wants for our lives that are not actually laws of God. They're things that he wants for our lives because he wants us to live our best life possible and they're not laws, they're actually godly principles. And this is a godly principle that was established way before the law was ever established. There, this is a godly principle that you see people bringing things to the house of God. You see it bringing it to the local church. You see them bringing their tithe to the, to the priest of that day. You can go back to Genesis chapter four. You start to see it right away. You see the story of Cain and Abel. The Bible says Cain, in the course of time, brought some of his things to offer them to God. And it says that God actually rejected his gift. It says, but Abel brought some of the first fruits of all that God had given to him. And it says that God accepted his gift. Why was one blessed and one was not? Because Abel actually brought the first and Cain brought something that was left over. Then you look 330 years before the law, Abraham is traveling. He encounters Melchizedek, who is the high priest of the day. And what does Abraham do? He gives 10% of all that he has to Melchizedek, the high priest. Then 50 years later, you have Jacob, who, who as, as he's going along, has an encounter with God. And he gives 10% of all that he has to the Lord's work. And we see it throughout scripture over and over and over again, this principle of tithing. And here's what tithing is. Write it down in your notes. The principle of returning to God the first 10% of your income. Now, that's important language right there. Notice I did not say giving to God because you can't give something that's not yours. What, what do you mean, TJ? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it. No, no, no. Everything you have is God's. All that talent, all that resource. No, 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 I'll work for that. No, no, no. Who gave you the talent to work for that? Who gave you that ability to work for that? Who gave you that skill set in your mind or in your hands or with, with whatever you do to work? Who taught you how to do all that? God did. 
He gave you everything. And so what he says is he says, return to me a portion of all, everything that I've given you. And so what happens for a lot of us is there are some crucial words in here that I believe that if we'll activate this in our life, we'll experience the blessing of God in supernatural ways in our life. In fact, one of the most famous verses on this subject is found out of Malachi. If you've been around church, you've probably heard this. Malachi chapter three, starting in verse eight. It says, will a mere mortal rob God? Like he's saying like, hey, people that I created, are you gonna rob me? It's a pretty strong statement to start off with. Yet you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? Because honestly, like if God came to me and said, you're robbing me, teacher, I'd be like, God, I'm robbing you? Like, how am I doing that? Like, I wanna know, because there's no way in the world I would possibly want to rob God. And this is what he says in tithes and offerings. He says, there's something that you didn't do. And because you didn't do this thing, you don't have any idea what's happening in your life. In fact, there's something that's on your life. And this is what he says. He says, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. I don't know about you, but that sounds intense to me. Like, again, this is a principle, not a law. He's saying, because you're not practicing this principle in your life, the result of it is you're living under something and you're not seeing the hand of God moving and working in your life. And here's the great thing about God. God doesn't just give us a problem. He always gives us a solution. He says, here's the solution. He says, he says this. He goes, bring the whole tithe, which is a tenth, into the storehouse. And every theologian out there would tell you the storehouse is a representation of the church. No one would argue that. And so if you're here today and you're a member at another church and you're here just visiting, the tithe does not belong here at Coastal. It belongs to your local church. If you're watching online right now and you attend a local church in your community, the tithe does not belong to Coastal. It belongs to your local church. He says that there may be food in my house so that we can reach more people for Jesus, so we can be generous and make a difference. And then he says it like this, and this is the only place in scripture where God says this. He says, test me in this. And if you've ever trusted God in your finances, you know that this is a test. It's like, God, I, I'm gonna give you the first and then like, I, I, I'm gonna have to survive. And, and, and here's what I know. It's the one place where God says, test me in this. And if you actually do it, you'll see the hand of God and his blessing on your life. Why? Because God is always found faithful. And it says, test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not room enough to store it. And by the way, church, that doesn't just mean money. So many people have taken this because they've seen the TV preacher go, give me 10 and you'll get a hundred. Or give me a hundred and you'll get a thousand. Or give me a thousand and you'll get 10,000. Like those guys are full of crap. We just call them how we see them here. Like this is not prosperity gospel. We're not saying give and God's gonna pour out and make money rain in your life. You're not gonna get a Bentley with 22s and live in a mansion on the beach. That's not how it works. Because honestly, a lot of you guys are well off financially, but you're not blessed. And people that are blessed know that it's not just financial because you wanna be blessed in your marriage. Like you wanna be blessed in the way that your kids that are far from God come home to God. You wanna be blessed in your life that you're experiencing joy, that you're experiencing peace. That's the blessing of God because I know a lot of people that are financially well off and they're miserable. And God says, man, that there is, there is a blessing out there that you can actually experience. 
And I know somebody's going, well, TJ, here's the deal. That's all Old Testament stuff that you just gave us. Like, where does Jesus actually talk about it? Well, let me just tell you, Jesus actually confirms and affirms the tithe. He actually does it in Matthew 23, 23. This is what he says. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law. These are the people that have kept the law. And he says, he says, and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And then here's the key phrase. He says, you give a 10th of your spices. You give dill, you give mint, and you give cumin. He, in other words, he goes, man, you're tithers. And they lived in a day where their, their, their income was an agricultural type society. So they were given dill, they were given mint, they were given pickles, they were doing all that kind of stuff. Like, we don't live in that day and age. Like, we're not gonna accept your corn if you come to bring it here. Like, there's no giving option for, here's an ear of corn this month, okay? <laughs> he goes on to say, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Like, like you've missed something in this. Like, you're doing the act of giving, but you've missed something. What are the more important things? He says, justice and mercy and faithfulness. And if you're a guest here today, I want you to know, this is what we talk about most weeks, the justice, the mercy, the faithfulness. He goes on to say, you should have practiced the latter. He's like, you don't know, you, you know what you should have in your life? You should have justice and mercy and faithfulness. But then he goes on to say, and this is the part that most people miss. He goes, without neglecting the former. This is Jesus speaking. And what does Jesus say? He says, you should tithe. So Jesus affirms it. And then Paul in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, he says it like this. On the first day of every week, that's Sunday. It's what our calendar says. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money. Now it isn't just a random sum. It says in keeping with your income, he's, he's saying, hey, we're gonna do this as a percentage thing, not, not gonna have everybody give equally. It's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. And that's where the tithe comes into place. And when you do that, guess what will happen? He says, man, there won't have to be any special collections. Like there's no reason there should ever be a special offering because God's people are trusting God in that because they're trusting him. The needs of people are being met. People are being set free. Homelessness is being eradicated. People that are without food are being fed. Those that are, are in need are being taken care of. And that is the goal of all of this. You have to understand in this message that tithing is something that we are called to do. Now, I grew up in, in, in a time frame, in a day and an age where, where my parents didn't always tell me why I had to do something. Like when I grew up, I would ask my parents like, why do I have to go to school? And you know what their response would be? Because I said so. Anybody have parents that were like that? Like the answer to everything, like, why am I doing this? Because I said so. How many of y'all hated that answer? Come on, raise your hands. Everybody in the lighthouse. Like, I hate it when you tell me, because I said so. That got me for about 10 minutes before I came back and said, so why again do I have to do this? Because I said so. Like that was not a sufficient answer. And it would be really easy for me as a pastor to go, listen, the Bible said so. That's why you should do it. But what I learned in life is, is if I learned the why behind the what, it always God's my way. And so I wanna give you the reasons today why I tithe, why at 22 years old, God changed my life and changed the trajectory of my heart and what God taught me in that season of life when it comes to my finance 
finances and when it comes to trusting God. And so I'm gonna give you three reasons of why I tithe. That's why this message is called Why I Tithe, okay? Some of y'all are slow. You'll pick that up in an hour. (laughs) So why do I tithe? Number one, tithing puts God first in my life. Tithing put God first in my life. The Bible makes it very, very clear that there shall be no other gods before God. Like there should be nothing else that is in front of him. So how do we do this? How do we make God first in our life? And I would say it this way. If God is not first in your finances, he's not first anywhere in your life. Because money is always an indicator of what's important in our life. In fact, Deuteronomy 14, 23 says it like this. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. So God is trying to teach us how to put God first. So every time I get paid, I put God first and it shows him that shows God that like you're first and you're foremost in my life. Like you're the most important thing to me. And so I want you to think about right now in your life, everybody that's out there, I want you to think about what's the most important thing in your life. Just think about it in your mind. Now I want you to think about like, what is the first thing that you spend your money on? Think about it. You don't have to say it out loud, but here's what I would guess. For some of you, the first thing you spend your money on when you get paid is your mortgage. Now hear me, I think it's important that you pay your mortgage. I want to highly encourage you to pay your mortgage. That's an excellent decision with your finances. Like, do not neglect your mortgage. But when you pay your mortgage first, you know what that says? It says, my priority in life is my security. Some of you, you pay your investments first. You, it's the first thing that's taken out of your check. You're like, I, I need to invest in the future. And what you're saying is, is that my priority is my future. Nothing wrong with investing. In fact, I, I, we're gonna help you and encourage you to invest in your future. If you're not investing right now, it's crazy to me. Like you're setting yourself up for failure. Like it's something we should, I'm not knocking those things. I'm just saying, what's your priority? For some of us, it's, it's none of those things. It's an activity. It's a hobby. Maybe it's some other bill that's in your life, like your car that you love more than your spouse. Why? Because it is your priority. And this is what tithing does. It says, God, you are first above everything else in my life. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, We live in an HOA gated community and uh, I I love HOAs except for when they tell me I'm doing things wrong. Then I'm not a big fan of them. And and so like... uh, so we had some trees that had some limbs that were kind of like hanging off. And so we, we had to get our trees trimmed uh, the other day. And so that costs a lot of money because they have to go up high in these lifts and they can overcharge because I don't have those things. And so, so a guy came out and trimmed our trees and let's just say it costs a thousand dollars. So 10, $100 bills, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Anybody want a thousand dollars? Anybody? Okay, a couple people. Some of y'all will raise your hand for money. I see how it works here. And so I, I paid this guy, let's just say I paid him $1,000. So he's, he's got $1,000 in his hand and, and he decides, you know what, I, 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 I wanna be a tither. So my question is, is out of these 10 $100 bills, which one is the tithe? The first one he spends. 
The first is what the tithe is. And, and here's, here's what most of us do. We get paid and we go, man, there, you know, the mortgage, I got to take care of that. So that's $400. That car payment that I love more than my spouse, that's another $200. I've got some, I've got an activity. I've got to get my wife's nails done. Uh, I, I need to get... I need to get groomed correctly. And, and what we have left is we have left something. And a lot of us, what we do when we go, here you go, God, here's what's left. And what we're doing is we're treating God like he is a server at a restaurant. And we're gonna wait till based off the service of what he's gonna get in life. And let me just tell you something, church, that's a tip, not a tithe. And a lot of us, we've been tippers of God, but we've never been tithers of God where we've said, you know what? I am going to put God first in my life. And here's why it's so important. It takes faith to put God first in your finances. It takes faith to do that. It's saying, God, I'm gonna honor you. So I've got these, these 10, $100 bills. And here's what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna trust that when I give you the first one, that you're gonna take the nine that's left and you're gonna bless them and they're gonna go way further than the 10 by themselves that's cursed. And I'm gonna trust that you're gonna make it happen and you're gonna make a way. And when I do that, what it does is it shows, God, you're a priority in my life. My trust is not in my ability or my sufficiency. My trust is in you. Number two, tithing keeps me involved in the vision of the church. And this is so huge because what God is doing is so incredible and it's so exciting. And, and, and I think one of the reasons a lot of you are giving is because you're seeing everything that's happening. You're seeing the life change. You're seeing the baptisms. You're seeing the salvations on a weekly, weekly thing. You're seeing the launch of new locations. You're seeing the expansion of Parkland. You're like, wow, of course I want to give to that. But here's what you don't realize is that when you give to that, you become a part of what God is doing through the local church. First Chronicles 29 says it like this. Moreover, because I've set my affection on the house of God. I think that's an important phrase. We actually have to set our affection on the house of God. Like we don't naturally have an affection. We have to set it on there. It says, I have given to the house of God. And I think a lot of times people quit giving to the house of God because their heart is disconnected from what God is doing through that house. Let me explain to you like this. In 2020, during the pandemic, the government did a beautiful thing. They did an awesome thing. They gave everybody free money. It was awesome. I loved it. I'm like, I'll take a free handout any day of the week. Nobody else likes free handouts. I'm the only one, okay? Lighthouse Point is excited about that right now. They're, they're like, I like free handouts. And so like I, I did, I, when they gave me free money, I was like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna invest this money. I decided I'm gonna be an investor. And at that time, there was a rental car company that was filing for bankruptcy. It was called Hertz. And, and Hertz was the largest rental car company in the entire world. And I thought there's no way they're gonna repossess like millions and millions of cars. There's just no way that's gonna happen. And so their stock went from like 30 something dollars down to below a dollar. And my wife and I, we took all of that stimulus money and we bought Hertz stock. And do you know the moment that I bought Hertz stock, all of a sudden, man, I listened to every single article that was on Hertz. I went out, I was on investor calls with the president. I was like, what are you gonna do? I was like, everything about Hertz, if you are traveling, I was like, hey, make sure you rent a Hertz. <laughs> Why? Because I was invested in it. In fact, I was so invested in it, right after service, you can go ahead and sign up for a gold membership in our lobby. And so months went by and I was watching and listening. And then one day the, st the price rose back up like six times what we had paid for it and I sold it. 
And do you know that the moment that I sold it, I stopped listening to the investor calls? I stopped reading through the articles. Like, I'll use their service if I'm in an airport, but I don't really care anymore. Why? Because I'm no longer invested. And honestly, that's how a lot of us treat church. We're like, wow, it's great. But you aren't invested in the growth. You aren't invested in the life. And there's something about it when, you, when your money gets invested in it, you're like, no, 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 that's my church. Like, you're not going to walk past a piece of garbage on the ground. You're going to pick it up and be like, nah, that's my church. You're going to be invested in like, man, are they growing? Are there groups for people? Why? Because you're invested in it. The Bible actually says it like this in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And some of you guys are like, well, I, I, I want to direct my heart. Well, you know how your heart gets directed? It gets directed by this. Like wherever this goes in your life, you know what happens? This thing follows it. It follows it around. So if I go over here and give and invest in Melissa, all of a sudden I, I actually care what's happening in Melissa's life. Melissa, give me, give me that back. <laughs> it's a short-term investment. Why? Because where my treasure is, this stuff, this follows. Some of you are struggling in your marriage. And this is going to that car and you're wondering why there's a disconnect. Maybe if you start investing in that marriage, that heart that has seemed like it's dying will begin to open up again. Some of you guys are disconnected from your children. And you're investing in all these other things. Maybe it's time to start investing in them. So, so your heart starts to beat for the things that are going on in their life. Yeah. This isn't just a financial thing for the church. This is a principle that is applicable in every single aspect of your life. And so I would challenge you, invest in your church and watch how your heart begins to grow for the house of God. And I just want to let you know, I don't think that there is a greater investment on the face of this planet than the local church. I love the church. I celebrate the church. I believe in the church. I invest in the church. I want to raise my kids in the church. I found my friends in the church. If you're single, find your spouse in the church. We'll marry you at the church. You take communion at the church. You get in groups at the church. You survey your church. And if you die, we'll bury you at this church. We love the church. And here's what happens. When I tithe, I move from being a spectator to a participator in what God is doing through his church. And every time you hear about the missions work that's happening or the churches that are being planted or the people that are getting saved or the life tra transformation story, all of a sudden you know that you're doing a part to make that happen. So how do you start? Two, two really simple things, practical application for you. For those of you that aren't participating in it at all, Here's what I would challenge you to do. Take a 90-day tithing challenge. 
where for 90 days you go, you know what? I'm gonna test God in this. Like I'm gonna take scripture at its word and the Bible says, God says I can test him in this. So for 90 days, I'm gonna trust him with my first and I'm gonna go, God, I'm gonna give you my first. And if at the end of the 90 days, you don't feel more blessed than you are, here's what we'll do because I'm so confident in God, we'll give you all your money back. I've been a pastor here for a little over 12 years and there has not been one single time that we've made this challenge that anybody's ever come and asked for their money back because the moment they start trusting God, the hand of God's blessing goes on their life. I can't explain it. I just know it's true because I've experienced it. And experience is a better argument than your, than your, than your thought process of, of it's not gonna work. Because I actually have experience, you just have negativity. Some of you have lived in negativity for a long time. Challenge God. What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? But I would also say it like this. What do you have to gain? Second challenge I would have for those of you is, is, is pick a percentage and make it automatic. And I think this is one of the big mistakes a lot of people make is they give out an impulse. They give out a feeling. And that's a terrible way to give. I give automatically. In fact, I do almost everything automatically in my life. I pay my mortgage automatically. I pay my water bill automatically. I pay our electric bill automatically. We pay our insurance automatically. Why? Because I'm not waiting till the end of the month to go like, I wonder how the water is gonna be this month. Is it gonna be hard or is it gonna be soft? Is it gonna be hot or is it gonna be cold? And if it's based on what I like, then I'll pay that bill. No, no, I wanna be clean, so I'm gonna pay the water. Because it's important to me in my life. I don't want to stink. Some of you all stink because you haven't paid the no, just Never mind. <laughs> I think the same thing is true with God. We got to make it automatic in our life. We're making it an immediate thing and we do this thing the right way. And if you don't know how to do that, you can go to our website and somebody will help you do that. There's ways that you can do that. But I would challenge you pick a percentage. Because, and here's why I say that, because some of you have gotten yourself in such a difficult financial position that you're strapped. And you go, man, I would want to honor God with the first 10%, but you can't even start there. So start somewhere. Pick 2%, pick 4%, and, and, and work your way up to honoring God. And I promise you over the next couple of weeks, we're going to help you with your financial position, do some things in your life so you can get yourself out of the hole that you found yourself in. And so I would challenge you to do that. And this is no pressure. It's not a sales thing. We're not taking up an offering here today. This is just an encouragement for you to honor God in your giving and watch how God will move in your life. Number three, tithing gives me access to supernatural blessing. Gives me access to supernatural blessing. It really does. Uh, it opens doors that I can't open for myself. And I've learned in life, there are two groups of people in life. There are people that say, I can't afford to tithe. And they're always stressed and they're always strapped and they're always frustrated. And then there's another group of people that say, I tithe. And you know what they always respond with? I'm blessed. You talk to any person who is a consistent tither honoring God with their finances and you ask them to tell you their story about God blessing them and you'll be blown away by what they say. Blown away. And you might go, well, they don't look financially blessed to me, pastor. Yeah, but their marriage isn't falling apart like yours is. Like their kids are still following after God, unlike yours. And so everything is not always a financial thing. It's a blessing of God thing. Listen, there's been seasons of my life where it didn't look blessed financially, but man, my marriage was strong. My, my purpose was on points. Why? Because God was blessing my life because I was honoring him in my life. 
Malachi 3.10, again, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. It's your local church. I'm all for nonprofits and NGOs and all those different things, but your first goes to God's work, his bride, the church. You can give to all those things. In fact, I encourage you to give above and beyond to all that. Shayla and I do that. He says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And then he goes on to say like infomercials, and there's more. In the next verse, it's an incredible thing that God says. He goes on to say, and see if I will not rebuke the devourer from your life. I don't know about you, but I want the devil rebuked out of my life. I've realized that there is a difference when I rebuke the devil and when God rebukes the devil. And I want God rebuking the devil because I want the devil rebuked off my finances. I want it rebuked off my marriage. I want it rebuked off my church. I want it rebuked off my children. I want it rebuked off every aspect of my life. And that happens when we tithe. Deuteronomy 15 says, 10 says, give freely and spontaneously. Don't have a stingy heart. The way you handle matters like this triggers God. We live in a day and an age where this idea of triggering something is a negative thing. But in this case, I want to trigger God. I want God to get involved in my life. And so I want to do, I want to give freely and spontaneously because this is going to trigger God. And what is going to trigger from God is the hand of God's blessing in everything that I do, in all of my work, in all of my ventures. And listen, this isn't TJ saying this. This is God saying he'll do it. And I've just learned that when I put God first, the rest is blessed. He blesses our life. I've seen it over and over and over again in my life. And the problem with so many of us is that we have a hard time breaking greed off of our life. We think it's ours instead of serving God in a way that we realize that God wants to move in our lives in supernatural ways. Ember, can you come up here and help me? This is, everybody, can you give it up for Ember as she comes up here? This is, this is Pastor Josh's daughter. Isn't she adorable? Yeah. Adorable. So, so before service, Ember, I, I gave you some money. You got that money? You got that dime? Can I see it? Can I have that dime? What's up with that? I gave you that dime. You know that, right? So can I have it? Are you sure? You're pretty good at saying no. I know you say no to me all the time. Are you sure you don't want to give it to me? <laughs> now, what, the irony of that is, is, is I gave her that dime. You know what she says? She said no. And I think a lot of us, we live a life with a clenched fist of things that God has put into our hand. We live with this tight grip because we don't really know who our God is. And we're holding on to things. And what we fail to realize is that there is a God that, that gave you that one. But he's got a lot more for you. And Ember, Ember, can I, can I have that? Can I have that? Will you give it to me? Are you sure? And here's God. God's going, are you sure you don't want to give it to me? Are you sure? Are you, are you ready to give up that, that? Will you give that? Will you give, okay. How about this? How about, oh, she's smart too. She's got, she double-handed. If you'll give it, if you'll give it, he'll refill it. If you give it, come on, refill it. If you give it, he'll, he'll refill it. In fact, if you give it, 
God will, will continue to refill it. The more you give, the more he'll refill. Why? Because our God is a good God. And God has realized that it isn't just about you holding on tight, clenching to something, but it's about you realizing that he holds it all in his hands. And if you'll let go of it, he'll begin to put more of it through you. Ember, you did a great job. Thank you very much. Come on, give it up for Ember. And some of you, you're, over, you're, you're crying, God, open heaven for me. And God's like, if you just open your hand, I've already opened it. The problem is, is you've been so close, you're not seeing the openness because it's hindering every aspect of your life. Because we have yet to learn how to surrender. Second Corinthians says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is the life I wanna live. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I want to give cheerfully to him. And then he gives us this promise a couple verses later in verse 11. He says, when you do that, you'll be enriched in every way. See, this isn't a financial thing. This is a every aspect of your life thing. So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result and thanksgiving to God. And see, what I've realized about tithing is that this is not an obedience thing. This is really about a surrender thing. Like, is my life truly surrendered to God? Like, have I opened up my life to everything God has and said, man, God, here I am, all of me, it's all yours. And some of you would say, you know what, TJ, I, I'm surrendered to God in everything but my finances. And I would say you are a confused individual. Because I've learned from my own life, I didn't surrender everything and then surrender my money. I surrendered my money and everything started to surrender after that. So my question for you today is, is what is God challenging you to surrender in? What's he challenging? What have you been holding tightly to? We use the illustration of money, but for some of us, it's not money. It's power. For some of us, it's prestige. For some of us, it's pride. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is your moment of surrender. And here's what I know is that God is speaking to you right where you're sitting, right there in Lighthouse Point, right there in your pajamas, in your living room, eating ice cream. He's speaking to you. You know what you've been holding on to? Take this moment. Be obedient to him. Some of you, you used to be faithful to God and you stopped. You grabbed hold of things and said, no, 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 I'm going to take control of these Whatever he's challenging you in today, just be obedient. Just let go and go, God, I'm going to surrender. Some of you, you've never tested God in your giving. Make a decision right now to jump in and be a part of what God is trying to do in your life. Don't start tomorrow or next week. Choose today to put God first. Be a participator and watch how God moves in your life. Go, whatever you tell me to do, God. I'm going to do it. Last group of people I want to talk to here today. Maybe you're here. 
and you never trusted God, not in your finances, but with your life. I don't know if you realize this or not, but Jesus was actually God's tithe to the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave his first and his best so that none of us should perish, but that we could experience eternal life. And maybe you're out there today and you've never had a relationship with Jesus. And I'm not talking about rules. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm talking about the creator of the universe. Loved you so much that he gave his first and his best so that you could experience life and have it more abundantly. And maybe today for the first time or the first time in a long time, you need to surrender your will and you need to surrender your way and go, Jesus, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to allow you to come into my life and change everything. And that begins with a simple yet significant prayer of surrender. If that's you out there today, whether you're watching online or sitting there at our other location, if that's you, here's what I'd ask you to do on the count of three. I'd ask you just to slip your hand up. And I want to pray a prayer with you that changes everything for everybody. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip those hands up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Thank you. Anybody else? 12. Thank you. I see you back there. If you're watching online, just go ahead and put an emoji up. Lighthouse Point. If you'll pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud and say, God, thank you for loving me so much that you would give your first and your best gift, your son Jesus, for me. In the middle of my mess, in the middle of my brokenness, you sent your one and only son to come and live a perfect life, a life I could not attain, and die a sinner's death, the death that I deserve for my trespasses, for my mistakes. For my sin. I ask you to forgive me of my past, change my present, and secure my future. Thank you for your resurrection. God, I ask you to fill me with new life. Fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and your goodness and your mercy. All the days of my life, God, I surrender my will and my way to you. God, have your way in my life. Change me from the inside out. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.